Welcome back to the Two Months Podcast presented by Biosteel and powered by GoGoat Sports. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. Uh, I have a very special guest with us uh, this afternoon, early this morning here in the Alberta region. Uh, he works with TSN. He's the uh, TSN hockey analyst and uh, TSN's director of scouting, Stanley Cup champion, uh, Cool Buttons Podcast. Uh, Craig Button, the, the man, the myth, the legend is here. So, uh, Buds, how's it going? It's mostly myth, just so you know. Like, you know, but like, you know, you know, you can't you can't hide behind this anymore. There's too much. Uh, there's too many records out there. There's too many uh, ways to uh, verify what is true and what isn't. So I'm just going to go with uh, uh, with the myth part and, and not try to uh, portray anything that isn't true. Yeah, you got that right. Hockey DB uh, doesn't usually tell any uh, different uh, stories. Sometimes they might, but uh, usually yeah. it's pretty good if you want to get some hockey database there. But uh, um, you know, obviously you kind of just came back here. Uh, you're back in North America. You're overseas for a, for a great tournament and a, another successful win from Canada. Um, kind of your thoughts from the Helenka Gretzky cup that you saw from every team that was there. It seems like it was a really fun tournament to cover. It's, it's a wonderful tournament because you know, it's really an opportunity for players entering their draft year in the most part. There's some players that are still a year away, but for, for them to really kind of zero in, you know, play on a national team. This is Canada's best opportunity to put to put together their best under 18 group. They don't get that uh, in April because players are playing in the CHL playoffs and some are just not uh, able to uh, participate. But this is a great opportunity, not only for the, the players in Canada uh, to come together, but to really test themselves against really good international competition, to test themselves against players that they're going to be talked about with in, with respect to the 2024 NHL draft that they're going to be competing against for years to come at the U20 level in the NHL. And so, you know, when you, when you continue continuously rise up the ranks and that's what the players for team Canada have done. And, and, and there, there's players that did that weren't selected in that team that are very promising. So I always try to remind uh, people that, just because you didn't make that team doesn't mean that you're not a promising player. I mean, just means that there were some uh, areas of the team that they were looking to fill out with different players. It doesn't mean that you're not capable. And I, I think that that's really important to say. So I, I think the experience for the players, it's intense. Yeah. And for the Canadian players, it's doubly intense because when you go to that tournament, you have a bullseye when you're wearing the Maple Leaf on the front of your jersey. Everybody's going to give you their best game. Everybody's going to be fired up to play against you. And Canada did not have the benefit of a camp this year. Usually they bring 44 players uh, to a camp and they have a really good competition and select their team from that. And certainly there's some players that are disappointed when they're told they're not part of the team, but they didn't have that this year. So a lot of their team building happened after they got overseas. They went to Hungary. They they, they participated in a pre-training camp, had a couple of uh, pre-tourney games. And, and then they started out, and certainly their first game against Finland was not, uh, they'll tell you, it's not what they expected, but it was one of those areas where you now get to test yourself. You Thanks. get to say, okay, here's where we're at. Here's what we need to do. And, and that's everybody. That's the players. That's the coaches. It's the management group. And they did a terrific job of just pushing themselves ahead, and, and push is what they did. I mean, they had some real challenging games. I mean, they had, the game against Slovakia was challenging. And yeah, it ended up 14-4, but at 3-2 in a building that was pretty energized, they had to they had to find a way because they they had 
been in a similar spot the previous game against Finland and let it slip away. They didn't let it slip away. The game against Switzerland, they had to win. And, you know, they had to win by three to qualify. They had to win by five to get to first place. They did both. Yeah. And then the game against Czechia in the uh, in the uh, final game, I mean, that was, a, that was a fantastic game. It was a competitive game. And, you know, the players find out a lot about themselves. They find out what they're capable of. They find out that they're capable of more than maybe they even realize they could do. And they also understand, and I think this is one of the biggest things that Hockey Canada does, and the other federations are, are, are doing this as well. It's not about a team with all the best players. It's about the team that has the players that can form to be the best team. Yeah. And that takes a lot of different areas of, of, of commitment, a lot of different areas where players have to dial in, and that's penalty killing, that's you know being able to establish a different style of play in the offensive zone, being heavy, being hard, being skilled, all the different elements that make up really good teams. Canada put those on display and they win the gold medal again. It was it was really, really positive for, for Hockey Canada. I think it was really, really positive for the tournament as well. Last game, gold medal game, sold out. There, there was there people had cushions sitting on the aisles, the yeah. concrete aisles. You you could not squeeze another person into that building. It was a phenomenal environment. Jackie was in the game. They lost in overtime, and certainly they had their chances to win, but just a fantastic game, but the environment was phenomenal. And and for the tournament, I think that that becomes even more significant than just the fact that, uh, you know, you had players being able to participate and show what they're capable of for the 2024 draft. Yeah, it's going to be a fun uh, a fun ride for sure. And there are some really good players on Canada that uh, we'll just get to real quick here. Um, the one that really stood out to me was Malcolm Spence, uh, obviously the game-winning goal, um, the skill set that he has, uh, you know, and, and I know Anthony Stewart, and he's been on our podcast, and I know uh, Malcolm's been a part of that uh, hockey equality program that Anthony's running with his, with his wife and his brother, um, you know, kind of thoughts of uh, the skill set and what we think, uh, you know, fans that may not, might not have watched Malcolm. Uh, you think that uh, you can explain maybe his game a little bit more and, and what the, uh, what this guy could do at the NHL level uh, when that time comes. I saw him play in November of 21. Uh, he was with the, he was at the silver stick tournament in Ontario and he was playing with the Mississauga senators they, that, that team had Michael Misa on it. They ended up winning the uh, uh, the OHL Cup the following March. And the first time I saw Malcolm, it was just uh, unbelievable the the skating that he possessed. He he was already an NHL skater at that age. I mean that, that that's what stood out and the impact that he can make with the skating, uh, you know, at that age was noticeable. I mean, he he put defenders on their heels very quickly and he took advantage of that speed to, to be disruptive, to use it to his advantage for scoring chances and also to make life really uncomfortable for opponents. It's exactly what you saw at the Holinka Gretzky tournament. You know, and, and, and again, when I talk about everybody learning over the course of the tournament, coaches have to learn the players too. They have to be comfortable with putting the players in different situations. So the players had to demonstrate and exhibit some some qualities that that built confidence uh, from the coaching staff. Malcolm did exactly that. He he became what I would call uh you, you know the 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 full two-way player for that team. Penalty killing, power play, even strength, they moved him around the lineup, but he became a player that was very very uh, purposeful for team Canada, whether it be on the penalty kill, whether it be at even strength 
some of the power play. He generated so many different types of opportunities for his team and for his line mates. And it was no fun to play against him if you were on the other side because he closed on you quick. He, he knew how to cut you off and use – a lot of players have speed but don't know how to use it to, to, to the greatest uh, effectiveness. That's not the case with Malcolm. He's not only an excellent skater, he's also very, very smart. He's highly competitive. And now when you have a player that can play all those different areas of the game and play them well, understand it's not just about playing them, it's about playing them well. To me, you have a player to me that's uh, going to have a long NHL career. And when, when you watch what he did, obviously he scores the, uh, the golden goal in overtime. But it, it was a perfect example of what Malcolm Malcolm was doing over the course of the tournament. He, the speed, you know, put the Czechia defender right on his heels. He, he created the open space by pushing the puck ahead. Nobody was going to catch him. And the goaltender, Malota, who had been so good for, for Czechia, th there was no chance he had with that type of speed coming at him. And, you know, that was a microcosm of Malcolm's entire game. But to me, again, and a good reminder for young players, you know, there's a lot of different ways to contribute. Malcolm's a high-end, talented player, but he didn't look at other areas of the game as below him, as beneath him. He embraced them. He, he, he not only uh, did that, but he also fully exhibited the capability and the aptitude uh, to function and, and, and to really be a top-notch player. I mean, you're looking – he'd be a first-round pick easily this year's draft in 2024. Yeah. He's not eligible until 2025. And, and, I'm, and, you know, it's too easy to say first-round pick. I think he's a top-15 player. And so he'd be a top-15 player in this year's draft. I think he's absolutely, definitely a top-15 player for the 2025 draft. And, and top-15, yeah, that could be three, that could be seven, that could be 11. Yep. Top-15, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. And uh, the chance of them going on to a great career is even good, too. So, um, no, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. And obviously it's great. You touch on because obviously in the broadcast too, you're touching about the connection that, uh, he, he had with, uh, Michael Misa and what's your, uh, what was your thoughts of his tournament? And I think the lines are a bit changed around that maybe kind of maybe sparked the, the, the team a bit, um, from what I was watching, I think you guys were touching that on the broadcast, you and Gord, but, uh, you know, and, and Michael Misa, obviously exception, exceptional status uh, is going to be with the Saginaw spirit. I believe they got, they're going to be hosting Memorial cup this year. So we're probably going to get a lot of him but your thoughts on what we have from him this year coming up this uh this great hockey season well you're right uh Saginaw is hosting the memorial cup so so michael's season begins in july of 2023 and it won't end until the end of may or early june of 2024 and you know as as Saginaw hosts the memorial cup I mean, he had, a, he had a terrific season as a 15-year-old turning 16. You know, had had an injury that kept him out, but you, what he was able to do for Saginaw on a very good Saginaw team, and 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 he made that team even even better with his play. And I, when when I watched Michael and Jeff Jackson, who just was named the president of the uh, of the Edmonton Oilers, uh, represented Michael. But I, I go back to that. November 2021 Silver Stick Tournament in, in Toronto area. And uh, Jeff and I were talking, and, and, you know, it's pretty obvious you're watching top players that are going to be part of the, the OHL draft at that time. And, you know, we, we, we got talking about it. And right away, what, what I noticed about Michael was the creativity, the imagination, but, but also doing it at functioning at high speed. I said to Jeff, I said, he reminds me, 
of a lowercase Jack Hughes. You know, Jack Jack's skating was a little bit more advanced at that age, right? But, I mean, Michael's a, a very strong skater, don't get me wrong. But that ability to create space, that ability to understand, you know, where that space is, where uh, the opportunities may ensue, how to take advantage, how to exploit, excellent hands, excellent playmaking ability. He's also got a very, very deceptive uh, shot. So he can score as well as he can uh, make plays. And he's he's a player, I, I call him an F1 driver, because he can speed up and slow down and he can corner. You know, you know when you're when you're running Indy 500s, you know the, in, on the Indy circuit, you're just going as fast as you can around the around the circuit. An F1 driver has to be able to corner, has to be able to speed up, slow down, and everything that goes with it. That's Michael Misa on the ice. He's not just racing around; he's thinking and he understands how he has to take advantage of it, and he does it. I, I thought he was I thought he was very very strong for Team Canada. Keep in mind. He's a year younger than just about every single player in this tournament. And, you know, when, you, when you're 16 competing against 17-year-olds, that, that, that's a, that, that can be a big difference. My, M- Michael didn't have any problem competing. He didn't have any problem getting his opportunities, taking advantage of his opportunities. Hey, in, in the overtime in that gold medal game, he himself could have won the game three or four times, you know, with, with the opportunities he got. And, you know, a, a, a terrific, terrific young player. Uh, but you know we're gonna have to wait to watch him for the until the 2020. Well, he won't be selected in the 2025 NHL draft. We'll have lots of opportunities to uh, uh, to watch him. Now yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna preempt you here because I was asked this by Gord during the broadcast a number of times, and I think it's just important to reiterate. You know, Gord, you know, asked could he be a candidate to be invited to Team Canada's junior camp uh, this coming uh, December? And I, I would say yes. Yes, he is a candidate, and you know, always just go and play. That's what you have to do if you're Michael Misa. But it's not a 16 year old tournament. And keeping this in mind, Max Celebrini is going to be on that team, and Max Celebrini is 17. And Max Celebrini is an outstanding young player. It's hard to take a lot of young players under the age of 18. It's hard enough for 18 year olds to compete at that tournament, let alone players 17 and 16. So while I am not going to uh, preempt uh, Michael Misa's participation for Team Canada, I, I, I don't think it's uh, – I think the probability is very, very low. And, and a big reason for that is because Max Celebrini is that good. I yeah. think Max Celebrini is going to be a real frontline player for Team Canada at the World Juniors. So doesn't mean Michael Misa is not a good player. doesn't mean he might not earn – doesn't mean he won't earn an invitation, but it's a 20-year-old tournament. It's a 19-year-old tournament. Yeah. Not a 16 to 7 year old tournament. And I think you got to keep that really in mind when you're talking about these young players as excited as we as excited as we are about their potential. Yeah, no, that's a good. Uh, good thing to point out there for sure. I think it'll be uh, and then the history just backs that up, Craig. So so it's uh, all good there. Um, so let's move over to our NHL report. Oh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to add one. I, I, we, we would be remiss. We would be remiss if we did not talk about Captain Berkeley Catton. Berkeley Catton was everything that you would want in a leader on the ice, off the ice, and everything he did for Team Canada. He played in the U uh, eighteen tournament in April. They won a bronze medal. Berkeley was a young player playing at different spots in the lineup. But I asked him at the end of the tournament, "Did that help you 
you know, really come into this tournament with a greater understanding. He said, absolutely. He said, my last game I played was on the big ice. So to me, it wasn't very hard to, to come and adapt. But when you watch that entire tournament, you watch everything that he did on the ice and, and knowing what he did off the ice, that is the definition of a leader. Berkeley was unquestionable, unquestionably the leader of this team. And his abilities on the ice, his play on the ice, and, and everything that he did for this team was so important for this team. And, and you got to, when things aren't going well, is the time when you need leadership. You need somebody to just say, hey, it's, it's okay, and to show the way. That's exactly what Berkeley Catton did. Uh, I know how smart he is. I know how. How, how well he plays the game in so many different areas of the game. And, and I know people are going to look at Berkeley and they're going to say, well, you know, what about this? What about that? I'm going to say this about Berkeley Catton. He reminds me a lot of Mike Richards. He might not have the same edge as Mike Richards did at that age. And, and, it's, and it's a different kind of game than when Mike Richards was coming in the NHL. But he's a better skater than Mike Richards. And I will just say this. Who doesn't want a Mike Richards on their team? Berkeley Catton to me has those kind of types of qualities in terms of showing the way in so many different ways on and off the ice. Yeah. Mike Richards, what a fun player he was to watch, uh, you know, throughout his career, obviously uh, cut short through uh, two injury, but uh, did he leave it all on the ice for sure? And uh, very well said on uh, Berkeley there too. So great to, great to finish off our, uh, our junior report there. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll move over to the NHL here, Craig, uh, sponsored by Sheena Boychuk, our NHL report. Mutz fans, so much going on right now in the live sporting events, concerts, everything going on. You know, you got wrestling events, you got the NBA, you got the NFL, you got hockey coming back, like so much going on. So use the promo code 2 Pod when you guys go to SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com and get $20 off your purchase for these live events. You guys won't be disappointed. They'll help you on the bucks, you know, save that $20, get you a couple beers, maybe some popcorn, whatever you want for that, saving that $20 going in. And, you know, use these live events, man. There's so much going on right now. Uh, This is the greatest time. Um, All these sports are firing back up. So all four major sports will be ready to go. Then you guys got the Drake concerts, the T-Swift concerts. There's so much happening right now so, so many great events to be a part of so don't be disappointed when you guys go to seekgeek.com and use the promo code two months pod all capitals that's the promo code two months pod all capitals to get twenty dollars off your purchase this public service announcement is brought to you by our friends at cdn here's a crazy thought not all teamware needs a team logo Stand out in the crowd and rep your team colors with one of CDN's hockey hats. Listen, these hats are phenomenal. We just got ours a little while ago and we've been wearing them nonstop. You know when you find a hat you love and you just can't take it off? Yep, that's how we feel with our CDN hat. Every time we wear it out, we get asked, where did you get that hat? I know what you're thinking. How can I get one? Cue the details. Shop online 24-7 at www.wearecdn.ca and use the promo code 2MUTS for 15% off your order. Again, that's www.wearecdn.ca to get your new favorite hat and use the discount code 2MUTS at checkout for 15% off your order. Now back to the show. 
Austin Matthews doesn't have a, he he's not extended, so he's got the one year left. Um, so the other day I was kind of do, doing some research and, you know, does he compare to Alex Ovechkin? And, and so I, I was able to pull these stats up, Craig. So Austin Matthews, Alex Ovechkin, uh, when they were 25 years old, um, you know, 25 years old and 300 days into their career. And then, uh, Ovechkin, the same, same stat, um, it's two goals apart. So Ovechkin has 301 and Matthews has 299. Um, so I just threw it out there on Twitter, just said thoughts and, you know, Twitter, you get anything, but, uh, you know, and a lot of like feedback came back was Austin Matthews still isn't in the conversation of being one of the elite players or one of the top five players. I just want to know where you kind of stand with where he's at in his career to this point. <laughs> um, we had it in our eternal much group chat with our, some of our co-hosts and that uh, even they uh, didn't have him in the, in the top five, at least in some of them didn't even have him in the top 15, but, uh, where are you at with Matthews, the goal scoring, um, his development? And, you know, I thought his two-way game kind of took a step this year, but uh, your thoughts. So if I knew nothing about hockey, if I knew nothing about hockey, not a thing, if I'd never known about hockey and you came to me, Josh, and you said to me, Craig, I, I want you to kind of uh, consider these two, these two players in terms of performance. One player you know, might be the greatest goal scorer that the NHL has ever seen. And that is, and, and you would say to me, his name is Alex Ovechkin. I'd say, wow, that's pretty impressive. Like who is, uh, like who, who was, who, who, whose record is he going to beat? You would say Wayne Gretzky. And I would say, well, who's Wayne Gretzky? And you would say, well, he's the greatest goal scorer to this point, greatest point producer, arguably the greatest player that's ever played. I go, wow. So this, this Alex guy is pretty good. And then you would go, but I want you to think about this other player that at the same age, when they were the same age and, and exactly same age, yep. this other guy, his name happens to be Austin, and he's two goals behind him at the same stage of his career. And I would go, wow, that's pretty impressive. You're telling me that this Alex guy might be the greatest goal scorer and the guy, this other Austin guy, is only two goals behind him at the same age? I'd be an idiot to say he's not an elite superstar. I'd be an idiot. I'd be an idiot if I knew nothing about hockey. I'd be a bigger idiot knowing about hockey. Are you kidding me? Yeah. The guy's a superstar. 100%. Austin Matthews. He's, he's won the Hart Trophy. He's won Rookie of the Year. He's been a first-team All-Star in the National Hockey League. He, he's a superstar. He's not top 15 in the league? Give me a break. It's I crazy. Mean, he won the Hart Trophy at the end of the 21-22 season, scored 60 goals. Not common. Bottom line is, like anybody that doesn't think that this guy isn't a superstar, you know what? He outperformed his contract. He's outperformed his contract right now. But Alexander Ovechkin, I think it was a 13-year contract, if I recall correctly, he signed his contract back then. Everyone, well, oh my God, can you believe they're giving him that? Ted Leon says, I don't know when he was when he was in, six years into it. He goes, Yeah, my only regret is is I didn't sign him for 17 years. You know, yep. so, you know, we don't, we have limits now on contracts. Like Alexander Ovechkin at $9 million doing what he was doing. Like, are you kidding me? Austin Matthews. I don't know what his term is going to be. His term will dictate a lot of what the contract dollars will be, but he's just under $12 million a year. The cap's going up in the 24, 25 season. We know that uh, definitively, right? So where does he fits in as one of the best players in the national hockey league, dominant player in the national hockey league scoring goals, which is the hardest thing to do in the national hockey league. He's going to get paid. He deserves to get paid. 
Is that 13.5 million? Is that 14 million? I don't know. But people go, well, he doesn't deserve more than McKinnon or, or doesn't deserve more than McDavid. McDavid signed his contract a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> and so when McDavid comes up for his contract, he's gonna he's gonna pass Austin Matthews and Nathan McKinnon. You can't do anything about that right now. In today's climate, Austin Matthews is a frontline player, and there's not other than the Edmonton Oilers, and, and I say that other than the Edmonton Oilers, maybe Colorado because they have McKinnon. 30 other NHL teams all want Austin Matthews on their team and would be willing and ready to pay him. $14 million a year. They 100% will be. I uh, I was surprised. We threw it. I threw it on every platform that we have. So our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook, everything. And I was just, I threw it on Friday night and I was just astonished. And then yesterday it kind of blew up in our internal group chat. And I'm just like, he does the hardest thing in the NHL. He does it at the best pace. And he he's done this, done this since he broke in. Like, I believe actually he even leads the league in the most amount of goals scored since he broke into the National Hockey League, too. If not, he's only, it might be a one or two goal difference in, in that aspect, too. But very well said by you. I knew you are going to be passionate just like I was. Um, it's it's crazy. It's how these things happen. And, you know, I don't want to tag a fan base to it, but it is interesting how things get out when you, when you, and I wasn't even trying to compare him to, say, McDavid. It was just 25 years old, 328 days into their career. There's a two goal difference. So that's all it is. It's just the, the data backs it up. Hey, I heard it back in Alex's day. You know, oh, you'll never win with Alexander Ovechkin. And I wrote this. Like, give me a break. Like, yeah. the, the, the stupidity did exist for, in commentary. You know, oh, yeah, you'll never win. I'll take my chances on Alex Ovechkin. You know, the, the number of times I've heard, we, we traded, we, we, we signed Brett Hall in 1998. In Dallas, and the number of people came up to us unsolicited and told us you'll never win with Brett Hall. What's amazing, Josh, is that when we did win, none of those people came back and said, "Geez, we, you know, I want to apologize for being wrong." Right? I'm going to yeah. take my chances on the Brett Halls, on the Alex Ovechkins, on the Joe Thorntons, on the Patrick Marlowes, who didn't happen to win. I'm taking my chances on them. Make no mistake. I'm taking my chances on Jack Eichel. People say you can't win with them. Give me a break. You know, yeah. like I said, if I knew nothing about hockey and I said, and you gave me the case and I said he wasn't elite, I'd be an idiot. Yeah. No one about hockey and, 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 and not saying it, a bigger idiot. Correct. And quote me on it. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. We will for sure. Uh, so, uh, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a change here now. Uh, David Krejci uh, this morning announced his retirement uh, about two weeks ago. Patrice Bergeron does the same. Uh, the do you feel this is it's going to be tough for the Bruins fans? Uh, that's two uh, pillars that were down the middle for them for for many years. I know Kreitzer took that one year off, but uh, how do you think the Boston Bruins uh, kind of re uh, regroup here with uh, you know two pillars of the game? Uh, you know, uh, hanging up the skates here. Well, I mean, the Boston Bruins have shown over a long, long period of time that. You know, they lose great players, they trade great players, and they continue to be competitive. You know, there's times when they've been a little bit down and, and whatnot. But understanding, you know, where your group is at and, and understanding, okay, what, what's realistic, I, I think is, is a hallmark of any successful sports franchise. Are you going to replace Patrice Bergeron tomorrow? Not a chance. I mean, he's a, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, David Krejci, who was, a, who was an 
excellent second line center. You, you, you think about what he did for that team over, over the many years that he played there. I mean, you, you just don't replace those guys, but it doesn't mean you're not going to be competitive. You're, you're going to have to find ways to take advantage in different areas. You're going to have to find ways for players to contribute in different areas. Jim Montgomery's an outstanding coach. Don Sweeney has shown an ability to adapt and, and maneuver. Remember this time last year, Josh? Everybody was saying, oh, the Bruins, they might miss the playoff. They might miss the playoff. They might miss the playoff. There was a lot of questions about the Boston Bruins. They went out and had the best regular season in the history of the National Hockey League. So what I would say about the Boston Bruins, we talk about culture. We talk about uh, internal competition. They're, they're, not, they're not an organization that accepts mediocrity, that's going to sit back and go, oh, yeah, we're just, uh, we'll, we, we can't do anything about it, throw their hands up and play. They're going to be competitive. Their goaltending is excellent. Their blue line is excellent. They have a lot of good young players. I mean, they're passionate. Had sixty goals last year. You know, Brad Marchand is still a top player. Opportunity for other players. They may have to do it. They'll probably have to do it in different ways. You know, but at the same time, it's opportunity. And the Boston Bruins are not one. They're going to sit there and bemoan where they're at. They're going to celebrate what Bergeron Krejci brought to their team, and they're going to move forward, just like they did. When Bobby Orr got all his injuries and, and and had to couldn't play and then moved on. When they traded Phil Esposito, that team just kept going. That team just kept going. I mean, Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito, <laughs> like think about it. Two two of the greatest players that ever played the game. Boston, just go look at the record after those after Bobby, you know, with his injuries and then when he left and then Phil when he was traded. Just go look at where they ended up. <laughs> yeah. Pretty darn good. The Boston yeah. Bruins have established that they are that they are in it to win it. And in it to win it means different things at different times. But they're going to be competitive with that, I have no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. They just, you know, even when they won their cup against the Vancouver Canucks and, you know, the yes, they went to some cup finals after that. I know they lost them, but they still stayed in the race. And they did lose great key people from that cup run. Uh, you know, so it's uh, you know, and, and it's interesting when Milan Lucic was on with us, he uh he said, you know, it I think about the the cup that we lost more than the cup that we won. So I, I found that interesting too, that that stuff like that happens for some players. <laughs> Josh, I, I can tell you this, you know, we, I was part of the Stanley when we won the Stanley cup in 99, it was wonderful. I, I, I think back to 2000 when we lost to New Jersey, you know, when you're, when you're the president's trophy winners and you're expected to win and you win, you, you just did what you were expected to win. You, you'd be amazed how many players that have lost in the, the Stanley cup talk about you, Scott Niedermeyer talks about losing in 2001. Like, you know, I mean, Scott Niedermeyer won four Stanley cups and he talks about losing in 2001 because you, you, you think about what could have been. And, and, and that's what drives the top players. That's what drives them in terms of things. Well, what could have we done different? What could have we done? So it doesn't surprise me one bit that me Lucic has the same feelings because you go, we were this close. You think, you think about everything you did to get that far and you're this close and you fall short becomes uh, it becomes one where you try to, you try to make sense of it because it breaks down to a moment here, a moment there. You go, if it just swung here, we're not talking about getting knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. We're talking about teams that lost in the Stanley cup final. Yes. You got that right.
All right, let's finish up on our uh, Edmonton Oilers report sponsored by our friends at Chattified uh, Salon and Barbershop. They got the three locations. Uh, we were all there on the weekend, Craig. Uh, or the I brought my nephew there, that who you met uh, last August, and uh, Phil brought his two little guys with him too. So Chatty took care of us all. So at some point in this hockey season, if you ever get uh, some time here, Craig, I'm going to pick you up from the hotel and we're going to go to Chattified and maybe just say hello. You might not need a haircut, but maybe we'll go say hello to the guys or something like that. So sure, no problem. Love to do yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Shaddy's, uh, Shaddy's great. And they are the official sponsor of the uh, barbershop of the Edmonton Oilers too. Um, so the Oilers here, obviously McLeod gets done. Uh, Bouchard still needs to get done here. Um, you, we just had noodles on. He was on our, on our last podcast uh, episode and, you know, talked about maybe the pace of play with uh, Bouchard needs to be a bit higher at times. Uh, that calming presence that he does have some kind of probably goes in at his advantage at towards an end of the game. But uh, what do you, uh, what do you think of Bouchard here? And what, how do you think that next contract looks like? It seems like it's going to be a bridge, maybe around 4 million or a little bit more, but uh, the progression that he made and the importance that uh, Matthias Ekholm had with him last year too. Well, you, you know, most, the vast majority of defensemen in the National Hockey League need good partners. You know, not that they can't play on their own, but there's very few defensemen in the league that drive play on their own. You know, partner play is really, really important. And certainly Matthias Ekholm coming into uh, Edmonton really, really gave, I, I think, the, the team a boost, but certainly gave Evan Bouchard a boost too. You know, I was one on the record. I, I I thought that they should be going after Jacob Chikrin. I thought Jacob Chikrin with his contract and his age would have been an excellent fit. Listen, Ken Holland made the better choice. And, you know, and I can admit that. I can look at that. Matthias Ekholm really added to the uh, Edmonton orders something that was that was significant and needed and, and will help them compete. There's no question about that and help Evan Bouchard. I've watched Evan Bouchard play since he was 14, <laughs> 14 years of age. And I can show you notes from when I watched him at 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. And it's always been the same thing with that. Always pace of play. I like, you know, I, I, long ago, I've come to accept that the pace of play that Evan plays at is where he's comfortable and where he's most effective. The only thing I've always said about Evan is that to me, all he has to do, all he has to do is be firmer with the puck. You know, and I think that that's where he's become so much better in his game. You know, he, he's, he's got great intelligence. He's got great vision. You know, if you want Evan Bouchard to race up and down the ice, you're going to be mad at him all the time. If you want Evan Bouchard to throw big body checks, you're going to be mad at him all the time. That's not his game. His game is with the puck. And his game has developed so significantly over time. He used to be loose with the puck. And when you have the puck all the time and you need to play 25 minutes a game, you pace yourself, you know you're going to get – the NHL level doesn't afford you that. You, when you have that puck on your stick, you got to make good plays and you don't want to be ending up in your own zone. I think Evan has, has, has progressed significantly. I think he's a really important part of the Edmonton Oilers. I think Matthias Eckholm is, is somebody that just helps him just continue to be who he is. And keep this in mind, Josh. When they traded Tyson Berry, they're going, why would you trade Tyson Berry, one of the best power plays in the league? You know why you trade Tyson Berry? It's because you're trying to get somebody that's different, that adds to your team like Matias Ekholm did, and you have Evan Boucher. 
that power play never slipped one bit with Evan Bouchard there running it. And to me, Evan Bouchard's a really, really solid player. The next perfect player that comes along is going to be the first one. There's no perfect players in the National Hockey League. And if you want to look at what Evan doesn't have, you can you, you can spend all your time on, on, on that as long as you want. Evan's a really good player, and he's a unique player. Because there's not a you – when you start looking around the league, how many guys can do what Evan Bouchard does? Yeah. There's not a not lot a, of them out there. Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, he's got the shot. He's got the vision. Yep. You know. And, and all that. So everything is, uh, everything's looking good on his front there. And I, you know, a big contract will be good for him, but yeah, you're right. There's not a perfect player in the national hockey league. It's just, it's just not there. Um, you know, they're striving to be that every day to get better. And you add new things as you go in an off season, you know, like Gord Miller talked about with, uh, Brian Hayes this past week on overdrive, like, you know, um, you know, one summer, you know, Crosby just didn't like his face offs, just hunkered down in a basement and just worked on his face offs. Like, then he became a 60, 60% face-off player in the in the next season in the years to come and still is that. So so it'll be great. It's great to see what these guys can do and as their training goes on. Um, we have a fan question here. We'll finish off with this. This is from Nick. He's a big Rangers fan. He's just kind of concerned. Where do you where are you at with the Rangers? Um, you know, the future um Lavillette comes in. Um, now he's almost coached every team in the Metropolitan <laughs> Division. But uh, where are you at with the Rangers here going forward? Um, this is from Nick. Hey, listen, they've they have one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League in New York, Shesterkin. So check mark there. I think their blue line is excellent. I, I think they have an excellent group of, of defenders back there, different elements that, that they bring to the team. You know, we know we know how good Adam Fox is. You know, he's won a Norris Trophy. Trouber brings something. Keandre Miller is a player that just continuously gets better and better and better. You start to think about the, the Braden Schneider, hard, aggressive. They, they just have, to me, just such a well-rounded blue line. Up front, because Zmanajad might be one of the most underrated players in the National Hockey League. He does it all. I think that they have so many different elements in their in their game and so many different tools in their game. I think a big key for the New York Rangers this year, and it's going to be interesting to watch, and, and, and I think that the individual players have to take it upon themselves. We saw Philip Hedel take a real step forward. Now, now I think Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco have to do the same thing. I'm not saying Alexi Lafreniere has to become an 80-point player, but I think those players, Caco and Lafreniere, have to take some of the offensive pressure off the, uh, some of the top-end players on their team and be able to push their play further ahead. If Caco and Lafreniere can become 55-point players, you know, they're just shy of that now. I mean, that's not a... I, I, I mean, they're 40 point guys somewhere around there. If, if, and, and you start to go, well, you know, Craig, that's a, that's a pretty big percentage lead. Yeah, it is 52 points. I'm not locking it at 55. If, if they can get, if each of them can get five or six more goals, <laughs> you know, 10 more points, that gets them into the 50 point range, right? That takes pressure off your team. That's two players adding 10 to 12 more goals to your team. That gets you on the right side of games. That gets you on the right side. It, 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 it takes some of the pressure off of the coach because now the coach is going, well, I can count on these guys to score or they're doing it earlier in the game where I don't have to turn to those guys later in the game and load it all up. I, I think that that's a real significant part for the New York Rangers taking a step ahead. Peter likes to have his team play an up-tempo game. I thought last year in Washington, with all the injuries they had, 
I thought that the Washington Cap, I thought Peter Laviolette did a fantastic job in Washington, getting that team to play so well defensively. John Carlson was out. Nicholas Baxter was out. They had injuries throughout the course of the year. They lose Connor Brown early, who's now an Edmonton Oiler. I thought Peter did a great job, you know, with with a team that was shorthanded for for a, a large part of the year, losing big players. I think he alone can come in now and 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 make a real big difference. And that's what Chris Drury was looking to do when he when he made the coaching change and hired uh, Peter. But I think if Alexi and Capo can step in and just take their games up. They don't have to take it double. They just take it up. Take it up a notch. I think that that would put the Rangers in a really good position. Yeah, I think they'll be uh, they'll bounce back here. And I think Lavi with him going there, uh, you know, maybe gives them a, a complexion, uh, just another voice. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Jordan Gallant too, but uh, you know, it's a. Uh, it's uh, interesting times in New York and uh, you know, that's a, that's a team that everyone's always keeping an eye on. So uh, very well said by you, Craig, um, anything you want to plug, how are things with you? You're, you're getting ready to uh, just take a little bit more time off and then the, uh, the great season upon us here. Um, how excited are you for, for this, this upcoming season, uh, junior hockey and, and all that fun stuff there. So it's always fun. We get to this point in August, you know, the Holinka Gretzky tournament occurs at the same time. And it's a, it's a little bit of a break. It's a hockey break. And, you know, we, it's fun to go and get a, a real good feel for those players at that point in time. And now you, you, you start to see what, what I'll call, we're going to, we're, we're back to a normal schedule. We're back to a normal schedule. You know, you know, the pandemic created a lot of different challenges on schedule. Forget about the individuals and, and everybody around the world. Now we're back to a regular scheduling. Oh, who's this? Who's this? This is our, young, this is our looking co- guy. Yeah, this is our. Uh, this is Bruno, our co-host. He uh, he's the other mutt, I guess, because I'm uh, I'm muttless. So now he just he just decided to wake up from his nap. So, well, he's Bruno, saying, there he is. Just wake up. There he is. Oh, no, he says, I'm <laughs> but exactly. it, it's exciting, and I, I, the, the NHL season will will start, and then you know. You know, won't start at the beginning of October. It'll start, you know, more in the middle of October. We'll get to a, a really good sequence where, you know, it, I, again, the normalcy of it for the players, for the fans, for everybody, I, I, I think it'll be really, really positive. And I think that, you know, there's always excitement over the new season. That That's the beautiful thing. It, it's young players coming up for the draft. It's teams that have made maneuvers in the offseason to try to position themselves to compete and be competitive. And that's what makes it exciting. You know, you talk about the Rangers. I, I, I think the Calgary Flames are a playoff team this year. I, I think that they, they they just didn't perform to the level of their capability last year. I, I think that they're very capable of bouncing back and being in the playoffs. But, you know, it's not going to be easy. Daryl said this two years ago. It's hard to make the playoffs. And I think that that reality is is hitting all the markets because the way I look at it is, you know, in, in each of the conferences, there's 16 teams. There's 12 or 13 teams in each of the conferences capable of making the playoffs. We know there's certain teams that just are incapable of making the playoffs at this juncture. But when you start talking about 12 or 13 teams in each of the conferences capable of making the playoffs, that's 24 to 26. There's only 16 to get in. Keep that in mind, how competitive the National Hockey League is. And it starts in game one. It starts in game one. It does. It does. And I, I, I think we'll start getting a little bit more of this conversation because obviously we see uh, 
And it, it's great you touched on the, you know, the flame situation there because I think Oliver Shillington coming back is uh, is going to be a hidden kind of secret because just like you talked about what Evan Bouchard can do and the skill set he has, you know, I'm not maybe I'm not comparing, you know, Shillington to to Bouchard, but the way Shillington can skate the puck out of danger and get the puck up, um, you know, that's a complexion that that Flames team really didn't have a lot last year. Um, I think Mackenzie Weger got better, um, and I think he had a good world championship, and hopefully that transitions over to the NHL season. But I think Shillington coming back, he was able to prove himself as a top four defenseman with uh, Chris Tanev. So I think that will be a big, uh, a big talking point for a lot of teams. I don't know if you want to jump on anything like that before we jump out. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be really quick on Oliver. I think Oliver took a, a tremendous step ahead two seasons ago and showed himself as somebody that could be a, a, a real strong contributor for, for a 50-win team. A 50-win team. Keep that in mind. He wasn't just in the NHL. He was on a 50-win team. A top defensive team. But think about him leaving last year. He said he had to get a lot of his mental health taken care of and he just wasn't in the right frame of mind. So think about how how well he played Considering what he was going through, we don't even know what he was going through. But how? So now he feels he's in a much better space, a much better place. How much better can he be? And I think that, like, we talk about injuries. You know, we talk about somebody returning from a knee injury or from a from a from a shoulder injury, and you know they're going to be healthy and they've had a full summer to to rejuvenate. I I, I think about the Colorado Avalanche. It's the same thing. It's the same thing with mental health. The same yeah. thing with Oliver Schillington coming back. You know feeling much better about where he's at mentally and with his mental health. You know, that's reparation as well in terms of getting ready to play. And I think that Oliver, you know, going through what he went through last year and acknowledging it and and and, and working to heal, I think the, the Calgary Flames will be a beneficiary of that. Yeah, very well said and good way to end out the podcast. And uh for those fighting that battle of mental health, uh, reach out, get that support you need. Uh, you know, if you have, if you guys need us, uh, we're always here for you guys too. But if you need some direction of uh, getting in, uh, getting help from some other people and the professionals, just let us know. We will uh, do our efforts to help you guys out. You're not alone, and uh, you know, enjoy the enjoy the week ahead, everyone. Be kind, be humble, Craig. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure.